Hello, everybody out in the land of the interwebs there, whatever the heck this is. This is the first episode of the Mike O'Brien show. I am Mike O'Brien with the wonderful, the man who knows how to plug everything in, Mr. Jeff Taylor down in Orlando, Florida. How are you, Mr. Jeff Taylor? I'm doing great. Thanks for letting them know why I'm here. That's the only reason. Yeah. I've got no sense yeah. of humor. I suck as no. a person. No, you suck as a person. You have a horrible voice and you live in florida so you got to be an awful person basically i'm up here in boston massachusetts the uh one most wonderful place on earth where it is 98 degrees and everyone is complaining about it where it is 98 degrees every day in orlando florida and people just keep going on their merry way like nothing happened really i can't make a 98 degrees joke i'm like i don't know the names of any of those boy band guys or i would have said oh yeah you're nick lachey there you go that's it you hanging out with nick Nick lachey up there in boston and then nick lachey's brother and then that's it. I mean, we had our wonderful boy band, New Edition, with Candy Girl. Uh, yeah, I was surprised to find out they were from Boston. I knew that the they, new kids were, but... Oh, yeah. New Kids on the Block. We also had LFO. The uh, I remember the, them uh, fondly. Abercrombie and Fitch. They all died, though. There's only one left. Two of them died. There's three of them. Two of them died. Um, so... Fun fact about uh, me, at least, I, I I live in Boston, lived in Boston now for 20 years outside of uh, a year in Austin, Texas. Before that, I lived in Orlando, Florida, and that is how I met Mr. Jeff Taylor. And I was at the Disney College program uh, working at Epcot Center, just pointing people and directing them around a circle. I don't know how often you realize how people get lost in a circle, but it happens all the time because Epcot is one big circle and no one has to get anywhere. So I would just point people on a map and on my days off, I would play video games and listen to the Bob France show on 1080. What were the call letters, Jeff? I forgot the call letters. W-H-O-O. Yeah, that's it. W-H-O-O. 1080. And we're the ESPN sports radio station. And I said, that's what I want to do. I've always wanted to talk into a microphone and not think anyone is actually listening to me. And uh, so I just started showing up at the ESPN zone on the boardwalk and saying, I will work for free. Let me tell this story. I can tell this story much better than you. Okay. Yeah, go for it. So basically we did our show at the ESPN club every Thursday or Friday. I can't remember exactly what day it was, but going into football in football season, going into the weekend, we would have guests in to talk about college or the NFL so we were doing it live from the ESPN club. They had great nachos. They did. They had a lot of actually the desserts too, the hockey puck. Yeah. And the, they had good food there. Yeah. It was, it, it's it, still there. I no, think. it's not. It's gone. It's, it's not. It's, oh, uh, it? it was a victim of COVID. COVID. Ah, it killed it. That's it, it was it was put on a ventilator for the beginning that's of COVID and, and it didn't make it through. But <laughs> it's no longer The nachos are gone. But anyway, this kid starts showing up. Who's in the Disney College program? I was 21 years old. I was an adult. Well, I mean, well, uh, you be the judge of that. Yeah, the, right? But he starts showing up and he's like, I want to get involved. I want to get involved. Well, let me explain ESPN 1080 in a nutshell was, if you know anything about AM radio in Florida or up the coast, uh, South Carolina, Georgia, North Carolina, if you have a radio station that gets a bump up at night because of Cuban interference... It means not a whole lot of people can hear your radio station. At 4.30 in the winter, you could... The, at the like the lights kind of dimmed in the station a little bit because everything just powered down. And so in the middle of the show, you just realize no one else is listening. The, the transmitter was pointing towards the Atlantic Ocean. And so no, like you couldn't hear it outside of the parking lot of where the trans transmitter was, which was what we're, so we're in Orlando. We're near the airport kind of, 
and it was in Kissimmee. And so you could listen to it if you're in like Kissimmee, kind of near Disney World, kind of. But if you were anywhere near the downtown area of Orlando, you just were not listening to the station at all. No, it had its, it's had its little pockets of places where you could pick it up. You you would listen to it clearly, and then you'd drive a mile, and it would just be like, and it just would go off. But at 4.30 every day, it was done. It was it was done. It was crazy. It's- and we our show went until 6 o'clock. And we would have advertisers on it that would run things and we'd have like giveaways for tickets to things or whatever. We are going to tell a lot of stories about that radio station because there are so many funny (laughs) stories. But anyway, that being the case, it wasn't like this monster conglomerate like you have now. Like you have iHeartMedia. They got seven radio stations. They got a lot of money. It's still a locally owned radio station. It was probably one of the last ones. It was owned by a guy whose dad had a record company in Ohio in like the 50s. And made all of his money. Uh, he's Italian, dude. So you look into the history of Italian guys owning record companies in the <laughs> 50s. He made a lot of money, handed it down to his kids, and one of his kids wanted to own radio stations. So he owned radio stations. But anyway, this kid says, I want to be an intern. And I'm like, I was the, I was, I can't remember what my role was at that time because Kevin Baldinger was the program director and operations yeah. manager yeah. when I first came in. But uh, I was like, Buddy, I we're not set up for that. Why don't you just yeah. show up? Yeah, yeah. I was like looking. I thought it would be like a real internship. I was still technically in college. I was at Springfield Technical Community College in Massachusetts, but I was doing the Disney College program through that. And I was like, I think I can get credits. And Jeff was like, there's no credits involved. There's not. There's not. Like, I don't, just show up. <laughs> I don't think we ended up having probably what, like six or seven interns throughout interns. the time that I was there. I lost track of three. After three, there's Flounder. There was three. And then after that, I well, uh, Tommy Boy. Which one was Tommy Boy? He was the the bigger blonde kid. Oh, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. 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 Yeah, <laughs> Kevin. 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 Right. Yeah, I remember Kevin. Yeah, of course. I still talk to Kevin on the Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin Balls. Kevin. Good guy. Anyway, yeah, Kevin, great guy. anyway, uh, I don't think anybody ever got any credit. <laughs> Intern no. number three, Don, was like yeah. 50. <laughs> I I did that. I mean, it's sad, but I did that Daytona Beach School, which went out of business ACI. midway through ACI, midway through, like we did like three classes of radio school, and then it went out of business, and then I got to do Connecticut School Broadcasting for like way cheaper or whatever, which I never went to because I would just work at the station because it was during work aci i went to aci and uh it was a little radio school out in daytona beach and the guy said i'll do my best to get you a job in radio if you come here and pay whatever it was the six grand and so i did it and he called me as i was nearing the end and he said there's this little radio station out in tampa it's a news station and they're looking for somebody why don't you go out there and do an interview which i did and i got that job and that was for this italian guy who owned the 1080 and when he uh decided when he got that espn contract in orlando i was working in tampa and i was in charge of these radio stations in tampa and uh i said i want to go to orlando i live in orlando i want to go to orlando and he said well we already hired a guy to do your job and i was like i don't care i'll be the afternoon board operator i don't care it's costing yeah. me so much money to drive out here back and forth so I, f- I figured it was better for me to be in Orlando and I was able to go and be the board operator for a small amount of time in Orlando. And then I, they gave me another position. It's funny to look back on that because I made $35,000 a year when I left 1080. Oh, oh, when I was working at 1080, I was making less than 20. I was making like, yeah, but I was, I was in charge when I left. I was in charge when I left. When I left, when I, 
my last job in radio was in Buffalo, New York at WGR 550, which is I loved it. But I was making twenty thousand dollars a year and they were like having me go to Saber games, which would be like driving 20, 20 minutes away from where the station was and then 30 minutes back to my house. It was like an hour plus drive every day and then they wouldn't pay for parking. And I was just like, I'm making 20. I had to get another job because I couldn't live. But that's basically sports radio is the most fun, least paying job you'll ever have in your life. It was awesome. Is what it is. But this Mike, is a great job. Yeah. Mike, Mike and I got to go cover Orlando Magic games. We got to cover Fox games. For a whole, yeah. We got we covered Lightning Jaguars. games, Jaguars, Jaguars games. games. Yeah. The uh, well, there's a funny story about the Jaguars. Saw Ben games. Roethlisberger. I showed up drunk to Ben Roethlisberger at the Citrus Bowl against UCF. In in the whoever the, the the media guy was was just like just sit down and watch the game. Mike, I was like, you got it. <laughs> Did you ever cover the uh, AFL games, the Orlando Predators? Predators? I, I no, I never. It was and by covering games. The only games that I I would go to the Magic games. I'd sit courtside to every single game. I did the like here's the starting five from the show, and then I would like hang out with the local reporters, Dan Helly and uh, the two other guys, like two other guys, Gary made Cole. It, like, Gary, Gary Cole, yes, of course, Gary Cole. Uh, but then at the end, I would just, you know, you put the microphone in the face and you're like of Tracy McGrady and you're like, why'd you guys lose? Because they lost every game. And then at the end, everyone would just, there was like a 12 pack of beer and everyone would just give me the 12 pack of beer because they knew how little I made. <laughs> and I got to go home with the 12 pack of beer from the arena. I'm going to ask you a question and it's going to be whether you answer properly or not. I know the proper answer, but what was the most memorable thing about covering the magic that you can remember. <laughs> Ju- Juwan Howard naked, maybe? Or Teron Lou naked? One well, of the no, two. it was Those Antoine Walker, were... wasn't it? Wasn't it Antoine Walker that was swinging a hammer? No, Juwan Howard and Teron Lou were like, if you're interviewing me, I am going to be completely naked while you're standing in front of me, and there's nothing you can do about it. And it I was just, just, you're just like, hey, I don't remember Antoine Walker. I do I, specifically remember Antoine Walker because he's yeah. that guy. You may not understand this because of anybody can understand this, though. It's like if you're a guitarist and you go see Jimi Hendrix, you're like, I'm never playing guitar again. I yeah, saw Antoine yeah. Walker and I was like, <laughs> I'm hanging up. I'm hanging up my, my jersey. I'm done for the rest of my life. I have nothing. But yeah, that was an interesting moment of you just being like, have asking, just putting a microphone in a completely. And instead of just like, oh, like we've all gotten dressed in a locker room where you're like, oh, I'll just like drop everything and throw on a pair of underwear real quick or a pair of shorts real quick. They were just like, I'm going to stand here for 10 straight minutes, completely naked. And you're going to interview me. (laughs) And that's how this works. One of those guys, one of those guys has a bunch of rings now. Yeah, what I don't, oh, Juwan Howard, right? No, yeah. Ty Lue. He was the coach Lue, for that's right. uh, LeBron. The, the Cavs. Yeah. The Cavs. Well, he's got a ring. A yeah. ring. Yeah, that's right. He might have won with the Lakers, too. Um, but yeah, it was like one of the worst put together teams. But yeah, so I was basically working for free. And then I started, they let me, Bob said, why don't you start? Bob France thought I was funny. And why don't you start going down to the Magic game? And I started going down to the Magic games. And just hanging out at the Orlando Magic games, and you'd watch them do shoot around and have shooting contests, and it was really awesome. It was I didn't we, even care that I wasn't getting paid. We theoretically, I did that a lot as well. We theoretically didn't have to even ask any questions. We could just no, hold just the microphone the out microphone. there, and plenty of people that knew what they were doing would ask good questions. But also, those people didn't want to ask questions when I like halfway through the year when I was basically just doing it because you had to be back 
because the machines would always break down. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to be back there. Um, I uh, the, the reporters would come up to me because they sucked. And like it was like when Tracy McGrady was going to get traded and Doc Rivers got fired 10 games into the year. I never even saw it because they were on the West Coast when Doc got fired. But um, uh, they would have me. They're like, are you going to ask this question? Ask this Because they knew that I didn't care because I wasn't getting paid. And so they didn't want to get in like bad reputation with the magic because they're like oh you're probably even just gonna leave here after a year or two to do something else so just keep so i would ask like some pretty th- i would ask a tough question sometimes because people didn't want to piss people off well, i want to say this about us in that uh era they really missed out on something there because it was a bunch of kids for the most part we had a couple adults in the room like the sales manager was an adult and uh but the salespeople would leave all of a sudden that that was like vietnam don't learn the salespeople's names because they'd be gone before you you know like and there were some their names they're gone there the, i i will say that in the line of salespeople there were also a bunch of maybe not uh age-wise children but uh, maturity-wise yeah. children but we had something really cool there because we were just a bunch of know-nothing kids doing something that was cool i mean if you look back at those ratings, we were beating the big sports station in town in ratings a decent amount of the time, close enough where... When no one could hear the station. My favorite one was we had a meeting once and the owner came up with the rating sheet and said how you guys have zero ratings, like it says 0.0 and what are you, this was when Terry took over and what are you guys going to do about it and da da da. And then we looked at the rating sheet and it was for Spanish speaking radio stations. (laughs) (laughs) He bought the Spanish speaking radio station um, rating sheet and then yelled at us because we weren't on it. He he was not the, the funny (laughs) thing is that I mean, you're getting a little bit deep in this kind of talk, but the the big radio the big AM sports talk radio station in Orlando, which it's bounced around a little bit, but it's kind of always been the same, had like a one point nine rating. And we went from like one point seven to two point one to one point seven to one point five to two point one. So we were literally running neck and neck with a station yeah. that was owned at the time by Clear Channel. And, and it was just actually because, people could listen to. And and it was because we were cool and it was fun to listen to and we didn't take it seriously. I remember you may have been there for this too when the Jags were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. I asked yeah. Tommy Maddox if he was someone's accountant. <laughs> I don't remember. That was the one where Cordell Stewart slapped me on my butt and said, excuse me, babe, when uh, I was in the locker room. The, uh, and also, uh, we tried to get Jerome Bettis to sing the wheels on the bus go round and round. That was also Jerome Bettis broke his nose, uh, broke his nose in the game and his nose was messed up. And so the first question was like, did you break your, someone's like, did you break your nose? He's like, yeah, you know, it hurts really bad and da da da. And then like people will just come up and like, Oh, Jerome Bettis is interviewing. So then people would just come up and like, listen to two questions. And then the next someone new person would just be like, Hey, Jerome, did it uh, hurt when you broke your nose? And he's just like, yeah, yeah, man. Like I broke my nose. It hurt. And then the third person is like, did it hurt when you broke your nose? And he's like, what the F do you think? Like he just <laughs> lost it and just started. What do you think happens when someone breaks their F and nose? And he just like, you can't, out. he's like, you can't expect so him funny. to be able to tolerate that under normal circumstances, but dude has a broken nose. He's going to be nose, on edge already. And you're getting the same question every four minutes from someone who just randomly walked by and it was like, oh, you broke your nose. Did you really do that hurt? Like, that's like, it's just so funny. Whenever you see the clip of a guy flipping out, you actually, when you're standing there for the whole five to seven minutes of the interview, 
you realize like that's probably the fifth time that that guy got asked that question. And that's when he finally lost his either they lost a bad game or he got hurt or something weird happened. And the same question was asked like five times in a row. And he was probably just like, shut the F up and and like, yeah, they just lose it. They, but that's they never the clip the that ends up. That's the that's the clip that's on SportsCenter. It's not the guy asking the same question seven times, you know? So base, I want to say something here. Basically, we're not going to always talk about our good old times at the radio no, station. No. This is going to be a sports slash comedy show. I reach out to Mike. He doesn't he didn't listen to a word I said. I reached out to Mike and said, Hey, you're in the Boston comedy scene. I'd kind of like to do a show where you bring comedians in and we have like a, a fireside chat style podcast. He wasn't interested in that. He wants to do sports, and I'm completely fine with whatever. I want to do sports. I just don't want to do like a Joe Rogan, Mark Marin. Like we're just gonna talk for two to three hours about God knows what. I want to have a set like twenty minutes, twenty minutes, twenty minutes. I want to have a possible sports interview. I want to have an anything interview, but about like a subject, not like let's just have you know I just my wanna- funny friend. Dan Bolger come on and talk about whatever. I, quickly, I would like to point out that the equivalent of what you just said is if we had Teddy Bridgewater on and he was like, you know, I don't really want to have like a Tom Brady career or a Dan Marino career. I just want to play backup quarterback in Miami to two attack of Loma. Well, I'm not going to be Joe Rogan, but uh, everyone does not with that, that attitude. If you listen to, well, I want to be Joe Rogan, but I want to do it differently because if you listen to any up-and-coming comedian podcast is is let's have some comedian on and shoot the shit for two and a half hours they don't even know what they're talking about when they get on there and they have no like i loved it at, when we would get the sports show together it was at at two o'clock we're talking about this at 220 we're talking about this at 245 we have this guest on at three we're talking about this that's what i want to have i want to have structure to the show not just kind of go off the rails because i also know if we go off the rails i'm going to say something and then i'm going to end up probably losing my job so i don't want to do that either let us so, know what let us know what you think out there it's mike o'brien at gmail.com Send yeah, him a, my, send him an email that says don't give him your real email address, dude. We should we got to set up an email though because that's what I want to do. If you guys ever listen to the Tony Kornheiser show, he starts off with like whatever happened in his day. Like we'll talk about our day, and then the next bit we'll have uh, an interview on. We're trying to get our buddy Terry Bowden on, uh, coach of Louisiana Monroe here, waiting for him to get back to us about that. But he'll be on at some point. But and then we'll have a friend Mike, of mine. I pulled. Jeff's, I pulled. I pulled the ratings. And it says right here that there's one person that listens to the Tony Kornheiser show. So one, it's me. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I love it. Um, oh wait, but, this is uh, the Ecuadorian radio. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> the guy loves. My it. bad. The ratings. There's one dude in Ecuador. He has a calming voice. I love his voice. But yeah, so then we'll like do a news segment where we'll talk about some some big stories of the news, some funny stories in the news. Uh, and just kind of BS about that. I want it to be as as like as of a not a local radio show because he's in Florida. I'm in Boston. We'll have people from all over the place. So, but I want to have structure to it. We're gonna do Absolutely. our best to make a good show. And listen, Mike, I just got done saying that we're not going to be talking about like old ESPN 1080 stories all the time. Well, but it turns we have out some good ones though, yeah, we're, and we're going to. But yeah. uh, this show today, uh, we thought we were done with that, but it turns out that we have more to come. So stick around. Next is more 1080. <laughs>
Well, welcome back to the Mike O'Brien Show. We are pleased to have with us as our guest, personal friend of both Jeff and I, Coach Terry Bowden of the Louisiana Monroe Warhawks, right? The Warhawks? Did I get that right? We are the Warhawk. And the Warhawks. We were the War Eagles when I was at Auburn. We, we were we were a War Eagle, uh, but a Warhawk is not a hawk. It's a plane. So, we, so first of all, so everybody has a confusion there. But anyway, we are the Warhawks back when they got rid of all Indian names because it wasn't politically correct. We have been the Indians for years, and for the last 15 or 20, it's been Warhawks. We got Solid colors. You look good in the school colors, Terry. i got to tell yeah, you. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's maroon and gold as opposed to garnet and gold, which people remember my father at Florida mm. State. They were garnet. I don't know the difference between garnet and maroon, but anyway, we're, we're maroon and gold. I'm going to have to get a maroon uh, Monroe T-shirt there when there I go down go. for the, the first game of the year against Texas in Austin. That's a right. that's a pretty big – you've had – so, I mean, you, you almost beat Michigan in the big house with Akron. And what was the biggest upset in the history of Terry Bowden's career, would you say? Oh, you know, I, <laughs> there's been some strange wins. Now, the biggest upset may have been at Akron. We're, we're going to Northwestern to play, and that is the year Northwestern won the, the their division of the Big Ten – and we beat them at their place early. and uh, But it always takes something. Two touchdowns return for t- two interceptions return for touchdowns. So in a game that you have a, a, a big upset like that. Uh, at Akron, we also beat Pitt the year they went to a bowl and their coach got the Wisconsin job. But when you go back over the years, there's probably some, some, some of them that go back to Auburn days when we were underdogs. Uh, but most of you guys weren't even born back when I was the head coach at Auburn. So, oh, are you kidding me? I'm 40. Well, no, we're both, you, we're both old. old. Jeff is older I, than I am. Well, you know, most of my players are uh, were not born. I was. They weren't born for ABC New York. They were born around 2000 or, or or later, 2002. So I can't tell my players, hey, I was the head coach at Auburn a long time ago. They, it's like a different life, you know. You were working with us in 2002. Yeah, that well, was when we worked together. Well, I <laughs> kids were born. They don't. I said, y- y'all, do you realize I had 15 years as a head coach? Then I became a TV radio guy, and I worked with a couple of guys in uh, in Orlando and did the uh, Terry Bowden show with Daniel Dom uh, in Orlando. But I, I had 10 great years. I, you know, it's funny when you look at your life and say, where did why, why did I go through this or how did I go through that? I wouldn't mess. I wouldn't change it for the world. I had 10 years as a head coach. I mean, 15 years as a head coach, with Auburn being six years, 10 years in broadcasting, uh, ABC for eight, Sirius Satellite for the last two, and then I did ESPN Radio in Orlando, I think about five of those years as a, with, our, with our four to seven drive-time radio show, and then now I'm entering my 11th year coaching after I've gotten back into coaching. So, uh, And I will say this, last year we were 33.5-point underdogs and beat Liberty which they say was the biggest upset right. in Division One in the last ten years, maybe as far as the line goes. So it That's was a, crazy it was a win for us. Yeah, you guys had a. It's almost similar to Akron. How you went in there with mm-hmm. almost no, you know, no one didn't right. think anything of you guys that you were going to. And you, you were, were you five hundred last year? You're almost five hundred. We right? were four and eight. We got yeah. one four early. But you were close. Uh, yeah, you know what? I mean, it takes a while. We're going to do it. I mean. And I think my, my career has led me down that road of being a turnaround coach. It seems like everywhere I've gone, I turn around and get another job. Uh, and that's what I was doing, Salem College to Sanford University to Auburn. But I took a 10-year break, and it was North Alabama to Akron to here. And everybody's been a losing program. And here, 
it's kind of interesting because I think that's kind of what I've gotten good at is is going in there and trying to win close ball games and get programs turned around. Um, they were 0-10 the year before I got here because they missed two games with the pandemic. They did not lead in a single game. So Jeez. last year, four, we led in eight. And uh, that was probably as good. It was the biggest turnaround in our conference. So I think it, looking back on the year, it wasn't what we wanted, but it was unbelievably – it was a great thing to have now that we've had it. And so that's kind of where we are now. We've got uh, – other than the fact we open up with Texas and Alabama, it's an easy schedule. I, I know that you're you're happy at uh, Louisiana Monroe, but there's a college that needs a turnaround coach uh, in Tallahassee that could probably use a Bowden in that seat again. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I, th- thank you, and I, I have good friends that always say things like that. I'm 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 66, which is older than my, when my dad won his first national championship, but younger than he won his last. But um, I, I I don't know the coach personally, but I hope him the best at Florida State. But if something happened to him. And my vote would be Dion. Bring Dion back in there. He's he's really proved. I, uh, I opened the season with him last year. He's proved to me that he's a great coach. Not that he couldn't be. I just never knew if it could hold his interest long enough. You know, I figured he might do it and then get tired of it. He really has uh, been transformative uh, in the historical black college level and at Jackson State. And if that job ever were to open, I hope the guy has great success. But my my pick would be would be Neon Dion. I think that a lot of uh... Florida State fans would agree with you there. Yeah, prom it's time would that, be prom time. Absolutely. It's funny you say that, though, because he's turning around Jackson State in these small right. schools, and with all this big conference realignment, all these schools are changing conferences every day. You're in the Sun Belt there. That's actually a pretty good a pretty good yeah. conference. You guys beat some schools regular, pretty regularly. Coastal Carolina's yeah. always ranked. and It's as good a group of five conferences you can be in. I mean, and we added Marshall, James Madison, uh, Southern Miss, teams that have had success in the past. As far as the level that we are, it's as good as any, and uh, it's only getting better. And, and we're in a part of the country where they, they're they passionate about college football. You know, when I went up north to Akron, which is right near Cleveland, everybody up there, if you think about it, and you're you're, you're much, much in the New England area, uh, Mike, you grow up, you grow up uh, loving football on Sundays. In yeah. the Deep South, it's an honor to coach football on Saturdays and the biggest events are coaching game are, are watching games on Saturdays. When your granddad takes you to a game in the South, it's to a college football game. When your dad granddad takes you to a game in, in, in Boston, it's to a Patriots game or it's to a, uh, if it's Cleveland, it's a Browns or Detroit. So it's, I'm in a good part of the country where football is very serious and uh, Sunbelt's a good league. Uh, they're, they're expanding at our level. Uh, just like they're expanding at the big level, and it's all about power and, and scheduling and uh, uh, TV market and improving your strength. And, and for a lot of people that don't realize it, when you can guarantee easy Olympic le- Olympic sports uh, schedules and volleyball and soccer with bigger conferences, there's a lot of reasons to do this. But I don't think realignment's over Uh um, but because I think there's some more things that might happen from the big, oh, big, big yeah. twelve, like power, uh, the Pacific twelve or whatever that is out there. Pac twelve, yeah. How many? I don't even know how many schools are in the Pac yeah, twelve or they, whatever they, it is. I think the there's numbers. they never changed the numbers. Well, it's Big still, Ten and Big Twelves now, but there's like sixteen <laughs> teams. Who knows? That it's really great with uh, with colleges when they don't can't when they can't count either, and they don't no. even know how many schools <laughs> no. are in their conference. Yeah. But one big thing that's happened other than conference yeah. realignment is, is the the transfer portal. Where right. I it's just like I'm fine with. A sc- 
people transferring, kids transferring, especially if their their coach mm-hmm. leaves. That was a big thing. Was the coach left and the kids still had to stay there, which I just didn't think was right. fair at all. But now it's just like the kid doesn't play one year and then I'm entering the transfer portal. And then you follow these kids on Instagram. Oh, I'm in the transfer <laughs> portal. I have a family member that's transferred like three times. And it's just mm-hmm. like what what I think it's more just like once you gave it a name and it's like, oh, I get to be recruited again. It, it's like they, they just want to yeah. be recruited. I don't know if they actually want to play. I mean, who was this? Bryce Young sent out something that he was entering the transfer portal. Then he never did. But it's just yeah. like you're the quarterback at Alabama. Where the hell else are you going? You know, like, <laughs> well, there's one that left and went to, to Oklahoma and played for the championship, I think. And then everybody yeah. to be moving to Ohio State, went to LSU. Um, no, you're right. I, I, I mean, I don't know that it, how it's going to end up. I don't know that we're at the end of this portal transfer. But I think like a lot of things, it leads to a lot of things we weren't ready to totally understand uh, is, is that the biggest thing, I, having been a head coach, this will be my 27th year as a head coach, and I've been a head coach at Division Three, Two, One AA, Group of Five, and Power Five. Uh, building a program or, or sustaining a program or keeping your job is about, about uh, uh, roster management. It's just like building a team in the pros through, through the draft and through free agency and through development. Here I was trying to build into my second year, which is critical to a coach uh, turning around a program. And I have three starters leave for the portal draft after spring ball. Now, spring ball is when I get my roster stuff set. That's when I get my team settled in spring football. I get my top 11 on offense, my top 11 on defense. I got three starters go to a power five schools, and you know they'll probably be backups. They won't even be starters, I believe. But anyway, the the roster management is becoming the most difficult thing to, to understand because as soon as you think you've got your team ready for the next season, you've lost starters, and now you know people are still they're still going to fire you after a couple of years if you don't turn your program around but you got to you know what and we we just got to find a way to work with it cuz it is continually changing if if your kid just leaves too if they go to to Alabama they're playing that year right there's no yeah, there's no it, more it, sitting it's just i'm board, going to Alabama board, and boom you're just playing yeah and i don't know if you if you've seen it but the new legislation that's being proposed is that unlimited portal transfers Jeez. you know now it's one free one but now that yeah. they say no, as long as you do it within three weeks in December and with two weeks of May, you can do it every year if you want to. So you could play uh, for five teams if you play your cards right. You get your, if you can transfer your classes in and all that stuff uh, to meet eligibility, you can transfer as much as you want to. Uh, I don't know how that's going to play out. And I've heard there might be some uh, kickback from the NCAA, although the, the NCAA is kind of just – I don't want to say they're impotent, but they've decided not to deal with almost anything anymore. Anytime they don't, they're worried about lawsuits. They're worried about the 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 way people. I don't know if it's woke or whatever you call. It, they're afraid of about of doing anything that they think will upset anybody. And so it's kind of a, like a uh, they're they're kind of letting things go as they think it's going to go and 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 not get too involved. So I see this as there could be potentially some good things that come of this for a guy like you who can now yeah. go and recruit a kid who went to Alabama. He's a third-string quarterback. It's not likely that he's going to ever get that starting position. You can right. – you can, can you recruit these kids to transfer, or they have to make the transfer, and then you can recruit? Well, I mean, it's it's like – you know, it's, it's funny. The portal transfer, there's supposed to be two reasons. No, that's NIL, but NILs are another whole topic that's part of this whole dynamic, yeah. too, is – 
when you transfer and they don't give you a scholarship, but they make sure you have an NIL equal to a scholarship. Another whole problem there. Uh, no, but it is a, the portal transfer is a two-edged sword. Yes, I'm going to lose some people, but also I'm going to get some people. Can you recruit kids into the portal? No, you're not supposed to. But what's new? That I mean, I won't. I'm not allowed to talk to a kid or talk to a uh, at a school that's under scholarship. But you know good and well. If we're recruiting his high school, and as we're in that high school coach's office, we say, hey, by the way, if the, the player that you had last year that went across to so-and-so, if he's ever interested in coming back closer to home, we'd love to have him. All you got to say is that, and you haven't broken a rule, but you've also now let them know. And I will say this, right now, uh, we're getting players that the Power Five doesn't want, uh, or they're not doing everything they can to keep them by playing them. That's about a 50-50 proposition because half the kids we get, they really didn't weren't good enough to play there or they didn't try hard enough or they're not as good as the recruiter said. We're getting the same thing. Others are pretty good football players who just in a new home. But so, uh, so you better watch now since we're losing our best players. And it's funny, to the group of to the Power Five, I lost a 6'5 five, left tackle, a 6'6 six, six defensive end, and a six-two corner. Now, what are the hardest places to recruit? Six-two corner. A wide a six-two corner is is cherished. A six-six deep as a bend and a six-five left tackle. But but what I'm saying is, I think um, what's happening there there we are now on everybody's list. There are probably guys assigned to every SEC school to look at every team in the Sun Belt, to look at every team in in uh, Conference USA, and see who the best players are. Because they're eligible, they're just like a junior college. They're ready to play. We're, we're the feeder system, and That's unfortunately, crazy. you know there are people like us that are looking at all the D two level schools and the one double A schools. And, and and I'm not saying we're doing the same thing, but I bet you people like us are doing the same thing. If you know what I mean? No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you got to. So everybody circumvents the rule a little bit, and so. But I think some point in time, it's got to. It'll settle somehow. And I think if you're a coach like me that's been through so many changes, uh, when I first started playing college football, I mean, Johnny Major signs 96 players at Pitt because you had unlimited numbers. So everything yeah. has changed. So if you coach decade to decade, things change. And I tell my coaches, let's just manage it better than everybody else in our conference. Let's try to do a better job of figuring it out than Lafayette or Southern Miss because we all got the same problems of not knowing how to manage our roster. Let's just try to do a better job than the other guys because it's out there uh, and we got to learn to deal with it. Well, well I got to tell you, Terry, really yeah. looking forward to, to following you guys this season. I will be in Austin, Texas, hopefully on the sidelines. I'll be chummy with Matthew McConaughey. There's two super fans. I'll be the Louisiana Monroe super fan. I'll be all decked out in the uh, maroon and gold there. So uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward uh to it. All right, let me ask y'all if y'all know, really remember ESPN Radio like we had it. We had Matthew McConaughey on our show one time. If Y'all may remember the day we had him, and I had him on the show. He was doing the movie Sahara for ABC. I mean, for, yeah, for Disney, which is also an ABC. I was working for ABC, so he agreed to be on our show. Uh, now, that was the night we were, I was doing it out from the ESPN Club and Boardwalk, but we're, it was still our ESPN show in Orlando. And uh, he finally comes on. And what's the first question I ask him? Boy, Matthew, I loved you in Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> of course, the first thing he said was, well, Terry, I, I, I wasn't in Sweet Home Alabama. And, of course, I came back and said, yeah, but I love that guy 
who was pretending to be you in Sweet Home Alabama. So that's that. So we'll let you, you and I can apologize to Matthew. I'll side. apologize to him. I don't even know what movies. He, I mean, I know his movies, but I just don't. Yeah, I would do the same thing. Absolutely. Sahara, it was an old movie. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it was one of his best ones. <laughs> we had some, we had some fun down there in Orlando, and hopefully, uh, we'll have you on and after you beat Texas here, and we'll talk about some of those <laughs> yeah, great stories. Yeah, that'll be that'll be on the bulletin board at Texas. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, thanks a lot, Coach. And I look forward to the season and hope to talk to you again soon. All right, Jeff, Mike. Thank you, buddies. All right, take take care. Well, welcome back to the Mike O'Brien Show with Jeff Taylor here. We have a very special guest from our days at 1080 in Orlando, Florida. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Daniel Dom, Double D. He's now, what what is it exactly you are doing in in plug your your local uh, news your, your news job there, which is a pretty amazing job, I think. Yeah, well, first of all, it's uh, it's nice to talk to each of you, and uh, it's been way too long, so this is pretty, pretty cool. Um, I am the digital content manager of ClickOrlando.com. So everybody right now, go pull out your phone, download the new 6 app. Uh, ClickOrlando.com is the website for Channel 6, the CBS affiliate in Orlando, WKMG-TV. And so I run the digital side of things. It used to be, you know, write web stories and that was it. And now you throw in apps and you throw in newsletters and podcasts and OTT, like your, your Roku and, and Amazon Fire and all that good stuff. And, and I'm in charge of all of that. So um, go to ClickOrlando.com. And, Daniel uh, brings the Florida guy stories to you. Florida man is my best friend. Yeah, right. <laughs> what is the, what is you? So you, you're telling me about this. You wake up, you go in at like five 30 in the morning and you start scanning the, which we did, which we did at the, uh, at the radio station for sports stories. You scan. What was the most like, Oh my God story that you walked in. Might've been this morning. morning. Um, well, this morning there was a SUV that was split in half on Colonial Drive in Orlando. Uh, there was also um, uh, a, a big rig that caught fire on I four. It had ten thousand frozen turkeys in it. So those, are the, <laughs> the, the you know, Thanksgiving dinner early is ruined. Um, yeah. Those are the kinds of, of overnight breakers that you get. You know, you get the random crime and and all of that, but you just get all the crazies who are out um, late at night and. Um, yeah, I write all those for Click Orlando, and and then my team starts coming in a, a few hours later, and I move more into the boss role and kind of tell them what to do. So yell at them. Uh, this that's this how it works. What, what story were you referring to, Jeff? So this I don't know if it was this morning. It might have been when your people were on it, but today there was a story that came out that a Florida woman was giving sexual favors to her dog while her boyfriend was filming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we tried to avoid those. <laughs> how can you avoid um, that? How can you avoid that? <laughs> yeah, they were arrested. Yeah, it's you. You get those for sure. There's no doubt about it. No you have to be a wordsmith because there's something that happened up here in in Boston, which is funny because I do a joke about when I, I was working at a jail. Daniel, I don't know if you knew this. We haven't even addressed this. Yes, I was I was a jail guard basically during COVID. And I on stage, I do a joke about when you find out what these guys are there for, because when you're hanging out with them, they're like nice guys. And uh, and I couldn't just say what they're actually there for because it's some horrific stuff. So I said, oh, did you find out what Carl's here for? He, he, he banged a horse and burned a barn down. And then like literally a month afterwards, all over the news, some guy got arrested for having sex with a horse. But it was like they never said had sex with a horse. It was just like 
every news channel i, w- I have to like google it to look up ha- like the way they said it it was just like what did he do a horse he was having like relations using, with a with a wasn't equine, even relations equine it relations like, yeah something <laughs> like that it's improper crazy. equine relations yes yeah that's <laughs> That's got to be, but that's what we're, we're, we're in the middle of the news segment here. So we definitely, Daniel Dom, one of the best update men in the history of sports talk radio, in my mind, and just host anything. When, when we make it big, we're bringing you with us, Daniel. Trust me. Can't wait. Second that. Yeah, I know. So I have some, we have some, some stories. Obviously the one uh, Daniel was talking about what was uh, Deshaun Watson getting suspended six games. And then mm-hmm. just now the whole just, just uh, everyone was worried about this when it when they switched the punishment had an independent counsel and then who ends up doing the appeal and then now uh goodell saying i'm not going to do the appeal and it's going to be this other person and they're trying to get more games like it's just such a cluster that it's taking away almost from like what did the, you know this guy like sexually assaulted a bunch of masseuses and it's just it's so outrageous the whole process for the nfl has taken for these things now yeah, I'm I'm kind of embarrassed for the players association. Like how is this? How did you allow this to be your system that if hey, if one of our players gets in trouble, we go to an arbitrator, but if the league doesn't like what they say, then they just decide on their own what to do with you. And they're like, "Okay. Like how does that happen?" I've I've always thought that the the NFL players association has been weak. It it doesn't compare to like MLB in in any way. And what's funny about that is that the NFL is king of all kings when it comes to any sport in this country. And so you would think they would have all the leverage, all the power. These guys don't have guaranteed contracts, although Deshaun Watson got his fully guaranteed. Um, And 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 he's not losing any money this year out of it either. That's the other crazy thing about it. He's not losing. uh, He's barely losing any money for missing uh, probably almost half the season because of the way they 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 allow some kind of crazy rule like this to be in effect. I'm just baffled by that. Now, somebody told me, I don't know if it's true or not. I haven't vetted it, but somebody told me that this was like they accepted this uh, language in order for marijuana to be allowed. Like they can't get suspended for testing positive for marijuana. And so they went along with this type of, of rule for, um, you know, for someone who, who skirts the law. I don't know if that's true. If it is, you know, I guess it's a give and take when you're, when you're bargaining that agreement, but uh, it's just bizarre. And you're right. Like the focus is no longer on what Deshaun Watson did. It's, it's whether or not the, the Roger Goodell and the NFL is the big bad wolf once again, because they're going to take matters into their own hands. I heard recently that Trevor Bauer called Deshaun Watson and said, hey, man, can your Players Association come over here and uh, represent me for a minute? <laughs> yeah, right. Trevor Bauer is just, yeah, he's just gone. Trevor Bauer's gone. That's I, I never even thought of that. That's such a great reference. Yeah, Trevor Bauer, like he, he's gone. You'll never hear from. I don't even if, know if he's getting money. Is he getting money? Does if, he even know? I have no idea. But if the Los Angeles Dodgers needed a starting pitcher, which they do not, Trevor Bauer would be back. I, that's a good point too. Yeah, they were. Yeah, and Trevor Bauer has has text messages from the woman saying, "Let's do this." <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy. It is. It is weird. Once like the news cycle hits, and it's just the whole. I mean, everyone up here in Boston is comparing it to. Well, Tom Brady got four games for possibly inflating balls or not, and he sexually assaulted masseuses in his six games. But then they're like, well, he lost all of last year and whatever. But it's just I never. It, I mean, any site sort of punishment 
for outside of like murder and big things, you're always just like, well, why is it that many years or why is it that many games? It's just so funny that one person is just like, yeah, six games sounds good. What did and Tom saying, Brady? Oh, what did Tom Brady get for the four? four. He got so four games for inflating balls, two six games for deflating them. <laughs> yeah, right. hey, oh, very good. Oh. Yeah, so you, you guys know I'm a, I'm a huge Buckeye fan. Think about Terrell Pryor. Oh, he, yeah. he was suspended by the NCAA for selling his own, you know, rings, trophies, whatever, so he could get tattoos. So the NCAA suspends him. So instead of him going through with that suspension, he's like, okay, I'll just go to the NFL. And he goes to the supplemental draft. Before he was even an NFL employee, had not even been drafted or signed a contract, the NFL suspended him for five games. It's insane. For for breaking NCAA violations. Are you serious? That's yes, insane. look it up. It is That's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> the, and it, it, you nailed it with like. I mean, everyone says this, but the NFL, how they don't have. They're they're the big. You know, they're the big cracker in the f- cracker factory there. And uh, it's just. I was going to be say big swinging dick in the cracker factory, but I don't want to say dick. But screw it, I'll say it. But they they have no the everyone walks all over them like Juan Soto rejected 440 million dollars and he would get every single cent of that he's not going to get over 500 million dollars probably in baseball baseball uh, revenue goes down and the 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 ratings go down NFL is just going up up and up and these guys aren't getting guaranteed deals you know it's insane other than like the main guys but you brought up something that I want to discuss quickly so I read an article I'm a Nationals fan so Soto leaving the Nationals affected me the I read an article by Mike Rizzo, the, not by him, written about Mike Rizzo, the general manager for the Nationals, and he basically came out and said the reason why they traded Juan Soto was because Scott Boris was not countering any of their offers, which I guess is one of his things. I'm interested to see if in the near future there's no collusion between the MLB owners to stop Scott Boris. He has become a pariah when it comes to free agency in the MLB. Yeah, he's always been a problem. And now you uh, – aren't the Mets run by an agent or former agent now or something like that? It, it's A uh, lot of agents are becoming GMs now. Yeah. A lot of agents are. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Mets uh, have one. But, yeah, Boris, man, he gets what he wants. There's no doubt about it. No. Then you have, who's the NFL agent, uh, the big NFL agent? Why Drew Rosenhaus. Drew Rosenhaus is Same him thing. and – basically, yeah, same thing. But him and, and Belichick are BFFs in – that's a thing now that everyone complains that Bill Belichick only hires his friends as a coach. The players are like Rucker people, Rucker's peoples or Drew Rosenhaus people. And that's like the only people he does. Drew Rosenhaus just basically gives Bill Belichick guys all the time. Well, yeah. somebody else should take that that uh, theory because it it's seems not working for the Patriots the past two years. I'll tell you that. No, they lost. Yeah, it. And, you know, of the big three leagues, too. You know, we look at the NFL and we're talking about MLB. Look at look at the NBA. I mean, Russell Westbrook is going to make 40, what, 47 next year. Damian Lillard Lillard just signed two years, 122 mil. He's getting 61 mil a year. Dude's never done. I love Lillard, but he's never won anything. The big difference between the NBA and the other leagues is that the NBA has a massive television contract in China. I think they're on two networks in China. So they have revenue coming out of their ears to to that is going to those owners to pay those guys. So it's different. Yeah. But also, those their players, players don't like so to talk about that. 
They're play. Yeah, no, I know. Right? <laughs> China's not bad. They're giving us a bunch of money. Let them. Yeah, whatever. Well, so the, your Celtics have, uh, or, or they had a uh, Cantor, right? Wasn't he outspoken about Cantor? That? Yeah, they traded it, but he. I mean, he's fine, but he he was big time defensive liability. He he can get rebounds and but people just go right by him. And he's just always kind of been the past five years, a, a contract filler. But the fact that he's not on a roster is pretty, and he's, you know, obviously a pretty outspoken he, guy. He's not allowed to go. He's, he can't leave the country. Cause I think he's going to, he's going to get shot. He was, he was the perfect guy to back up Horford in Boston. There's no excuse for him not playing for the Celtics. And that's freedom, by the way, he's not a nice canter anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, the NBA though they they have the their their players association obviously is better than the uh, they're NBA, the best NFL so they're the best you you make the that's the big thing about Tatum everyone was before this year everyone was like Tatum's just more concerned with making All Pro or whatever the All NBA team and it's like well yeah because once you make All NBA you make the most amount of money possible you yeah make you can't that get a super max without being without first team being, All NBA. You have to be first Second team All team. NBA. Was it? I thought it was. I thought it was any third. I, I thought it was the first top top three. Oh, it might be. I thought. I thought yeah. for Supermax, you had to be first or second team All NBA. But you lose, and he even said that in the press conference when he didn't make All NBA last year. He was just like, "It's not even about the." And he like whatever amount. I was like, "It's not even about the eighty-seven million dollars I just lost." It's that's like, well, you knew to the T how much money it was that you just lost. But yeah, he's like, "It's just about the recognition of my the guy my that game." The, the guy that got burned by that the most was Clay Thompson, which is the only reason why I have any idea where it works. But they didn't put him on the All NBA team when he absolutely deserved it, and he wasn't able to sign a supermax. Yeah, well, it worked out for the Warriors. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's the next next big story of the day. Here is, uh, of course, Brittany Grenier in Russia going to getting nine years in prison for bringing weed, which is it's a, a weird. I mean, obviously, we don't know what the real story is that happened. I mean, nine years for weed is pretty ridiculous. But it's a different country, different rules. I mean, those different laws, the laws are the laws over there. And once politics gets involved, who knows how long you're you're, you're screwed. There was a five-year minimum, 10-year maximum sentence for her crime. And I don't know exactly what happened. I can't imagine that they just took this out on it. Because we were talking about this earlier. This is a woman who is a star in her field. And she said that she was frantically packing and didn't know it was in there. I don't believe that. I think she packed it and thought, I could get over there. I'll be fine. I'm an American. She's probably done it every time she's ever gone to Moscow. But they have they they definitely have taken her as an example of no matter who you are, if you come over here with weed, we're going to put you in prison. Yeah, this whole thing, I think the charges were drug smuggling. Yeah, <laughs> drug smuggling for like two two pen cartridges like it's insane it's like it's not like it was like pounds in a suitcase full of it yeah right and and now now where everything is going politically right with ukraine and all of that i mean she is a pawn in a bigger scheme of everything and i don't know if we want to get into all of that (laughs) but now that now that now that the u.s has offered like a trade for her of course they're gonna they're gonna play hardball over there. They're gonna say, hey, we're keeping her for nine years. They can up the ante now and say, well, give us this, this, and this if you want, you know, Brittany Griner released from jail. So um, it's it's become a political nightmare for her, and who knows how long she's gonna end up being over there. 
it's the it's the Kevin Durant trade of politics, basically, is what it is. You're Johnny, hearing so many. Uh, Johnny Depp told me never to victim blame, but she's very outspoken. So I wonder if she didn't say something or do something that also led to her them taking them taking her uh, to jail for the weed. There's no way that you go to Russia the amount that she goes to Russia and she probably smokes. For I mean, you know, for for everything, just not just for for fun, but for medical purposes and everything. But there's no way that she's never done that before. And it's never been a big deal. And they just let her go because of who she is and who owns those like those guys who own those women's basketball teams. They make their billion upon billion upon billionaires. And so they're probably just like, let these women do whatever they want. And then with everything going on, someone must have just been like, grab her. She's got stuff without a doubt. Yeah, you know, we talk about um, the salaries that that these athletes are making in the big three. The fact that she's going overseas, when you called her a, a basketball star in the U.S., right? She's very well known. But the fact that they can't make enough money or, or, or want to make more can make so much more overseas, especially in Russia. Like, they I double their salary. So this story came to light. See, oh, Bill, I've known that forever. Watch, for a while. watch Bill Burr's new special. He lays it out pretty well. I, I appreciate his take on it. I'm not going to steal it from him. I saw Brittany Grenier when I lived in Austin, Texas for a year at a restaurant. She was playing like the States. Their whole team was there. And I knew exactly who she was. And she was like 17 years old. She was the number one women's basketball yeah, player the in the Baylor country. And- I knew exactly. I knew exactly who she was. And that was when she was like a junior or senior. In it's funny, though. You didn't pay attention on how to say your name. Bro, what is it? Griner. What did I say? Griner? Griner? Is it? Yeah, I thought it was Griner. Griner. I always thought it was Griner. Oh, oh well. Correct one of us, she Daniel. Can call me, she can call me. She can call me O'Brien next time she sees me. Brittany Griner. Agreed. Griner. But if, if you recognized her as 17 and she's a star, how come she has to go overseas to make money? Because yeah, nobody no. cares about women's sports. It's just the reality of it. The reason why men's sports have more money to throw at their players is because they get TV contracts they get large crowds and it's uh, say what you will about it. But the fact of the matter is, is that that's what drives their salaries and nobody wants well, to for tennis and soccer, tennis and soccer, I think are the two outlinings that you could compare them to ratings wise with the men. If the men, if the men, I, I say that though, if the U S men were in the championship world cup championship game, I think the, the ratings would go through the roof over the women's but that will never happen because the men yeah but there is a there is a women's soccer pro soccer league in the united states and it's not making what the men's soccer league is that is true and and tennis it's not like they're going it's not like people are watching the orlando invitational they're watching the u.s open the british open the australian open and the and wimbledon yeah there's an where does where's the Orlando Open? Is there one? <laughs> I'm sure there is. I guarantee oh. you, there's an Orlando <laughs> Invitational. It's got to be Lake Nona. They do a they do a tennis tournament down in Miami, and I drove by when they're setting it up, and it's at Dolphin Stadium, and the main court is in Dolphin Stadium, and they make the parking lot. They make all these tennis courts, and they do it around March. I want to say. I had no idea. You learn something new every day, Daniel. You're breaking news here. Breaking news. That's okay. Here's one of my favorite stories. And Daniel and I have been texting each other for 20 years. By the time years. he finishes this, it won't be breaking anymore, Daniel. It won't be breaking anymore. But this isn't a breaking news. But whenever someone dies, we text each other, breaking news, so-and-so died. Because this all started when we were working at the radio station. And I think the big, we would always, whenever a story broke, we would yell out in the office, 
this story broke. I broke that story because we're always making fun of reporters as to who broke the story. Like that was bigger than the actual story. But my favorite uh, story of this is when Gene Upshaw, who was the at the time the head of the players union in the NFL, died along the bottom line on ESPN. It said breaking news. Fox News, Fox Sports News reports Gene Upshaw died. ESPN has yet to confirm. And then like five <laughs> minutes later, it comes underneath the bottom line says ESPN has confirmed that Gene Upshaw died. And we all saw it at the same time. And we're all just and I just remember like saying, what did he did they kick him? Did someone kick him? Like, how do you confirm that? Like, it's just the most ridiculous thing. And as a, as a, as a reporter, obviously, it's different with what you're doing. But why is it that these reporters like think we're going to know who broke. It's like, it's not like it's Watergate or something. It's like, they're talking about Jackie Bradley jr. Being, uh, being, being cut by the Red Sox. And they have to be like, so-and-so reports that Jackie Bradley jr. Got caught. Like who, who cares? I don't think it matters as much anymore, unless it's something that can get you a Pulitzer prize. But the fact of the matter is that when you read, I read, uh, I jump around local stories all over the place and you see that a lot of uh, news places take stories from other people. And I'm not talking about going in and writing your own story off of what the other person wrote. They literally just take that reporter's story and put it on their news site. And so you can go to seven different stories about the same thing, and they'll all be exactly the same. It, uh, about once a month in, in what I do, I have to call some other competing station, whether, whether it's locally or, or across the state or wherever, now with the internet, you know, it could be anywhere because they have just copy and pasted our work. And we know it's ours because, you know, it might be an investigative piece where we've been, you know, it was an enterprise story. We came up with the idea. We investigated it. It's our quotes. No one else talked to them. We have certain documents. We'll watermark video. And you have an exclusive story and another station, another competitor, another website will just copy and paste, grab the video, the whole thing, and not attribute it to you, not link to you, not say anything as if it's their own work. About once a month, I have to go through this. Um, it's incredible. I'm surprised. Now, your- I'm surprised it's only once a month. It happens so often. Yeah, it, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. So but what do you do? Point- you, you just say you have to credit us? Like It's not like you can well, yeah, sue we- them or something, can you? Right. It, you, you give them the courtesy to say, hey, journalistic integrity tells you you don't do this, right? It's not your work. You're just copying and pasting. Um, you don't have the rights to do that. And so you give them, you know, the ability to unpublish the story or to uh, reduce it. You know, like our request is like, if you just do like three or four paragraphs and, and summarize it in a nutshell and then say, hey, go to clickorlando.com for all the details, that's called aggregating. And we're totally good with that. But to rip and read and to copy and paste the whole damn thing, it's absurd. It's how I got through high school. (laughs) And look where you are now. I'm I'm killing it on. I'm (laughs) killing it as a tour guide and a stand up. Could be. Hey, I just got booked tomorrow for fifty dollars. I'm really excited to. Where are you going to be? Plug your show. Nick's comedy stop in uh, the theater district in Boston. I'll be working the door, taking your money, and then I'll be doing like 10 minutes or something like that. So I, I'm a comedic genius. I'm very excited as always. Just about ask him. Yeah, right. To, I'll tell you all your, about how funny I am. To your bigger point of like the breaking news and why it's so important, I, I think, Jeff, you're right, where it, it became this thing where 
if you had a huge story, you know, Watergate, whatever, uh, the, the Clinton Lewinsky scandal with, you know, Matt Drudge, and you break that, like breaking news and sound the sirens and, and all of that, and it's like fed down to the, the, the lowest level of news yeah. where it's like Jackie Bradley's been waived, been cut by the Bosox. Breaking news, first reported by, and it, it's become this game almost as to to who can just like type it up first and, and get it out there, or tweet it first, and then everyone else has to like say, as first reported by Mike O'Brien, Jackie Bradley no longer plays for the Boston Red Sox. Poor Jackie Bradley Jr. Poor guy couldn't hit. Everyone wanted to like him, but he's batting 210. The, just like, the last on, time buddy. I won my baseball fantasy league, which is an auction keeper dynasty league, Jackie Bradley was one of my outfielders. So he had at least one good season. He had a couple good seasons. He just fell off the rails around 2000. The World Series 2018. He was like amazing center fielder and he was an okay. He would have like a month where he'd bat 400 and then he'd have three months where he batted like 120. It was it was pretty crazy. He Didn't he have a huge bomb in, in one of the playoff games? He was he was, an AL, he was the ALCS MVP in uh, 2018. Yeah, 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 pretty crazy. Um, oh man, there was one other thing I wanted to talk Aaron about. Aaron Rodgers. No, Aaron Rodgers. But no, but before that though, there was something I meant to write it down and I didn't. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, now the, to the next story here. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, a breaking news according to TMZ, but really according to this podcast that Aaron Rodgers was on, that actually said it. Uh, that Aaron Rodgers psychedelics led to my best season, helped me love myself. He says that after he took ayahuasca, it which includes uh, uh was that DMT, that uh, that's how why he became a back to back MVP. And my favorite quote of this is uh, I just had it. The fear around it is you're going to poop yourself. It's just a big throw-up fest. But the negative framework of it is that the experience, not the deep, meaningful, and crazy minding, mind-expanding possibilities and also deep self-love and healing that can happen on the other side. That sounds like someone who's taken hallucinogenics. Yeah, 100%. You didn't want to say dimethyltryptopene? There you go. I'm sorry. I can't, dude, I can't even uh, pronounce Brittany Guineer's name right. That's and you want true. me to, to say that? Come on now. I uh, well, unfortunately, my uh, hallucinogenic days were not my best days. <laughs> yeah, I would think I would think that I've tried mushrooms once, but I was with my friends that were like, dude, you're not taking a lot. And I just took like two or three pieces of it caps, like every hour caps every hour. And I just felt like I kind of like took a hit of a bowl and I was just kind of high. So I've never really done the full hallucinogenics but who knows i don't know maybe in february i'll get bored let's is let's it, let's travel down to south america the three of us can go down and do everywhere. ayahuasca yeah let's just crap everywhere and then say how mind-boggling it is and then we'll just throw for seven thousand yards in the nfl but if we go down there and do ayahuasca and come back and this podcast doesn't do well it's your fault it is yeah <laughs> You're is, is, still, is he still taking these drugs I think it's not. No, I don't think it's, it's a regular thing. I think it's a no, uh, soul search type it's deal. Like you, yeah, I've heard people. You go on Rogan's podcast. Someone's always talking about it. Ron White, I remember talking about it. You go down there for like a week and you just take it like every other day for a week. And then you suppose it's like cleansing your mind and your body and getting all the toxins out. And it all helps that you get stuff. spiritually in touch with yeah. your id. I remember the, the, the first time I really heard about this was uh, Robin Quivers did it. Oh, right, right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. she yeah, was yeah, she was kind yeah, of the OG uh, ayahuasca person. I mean, Aaron Rodgers now he's got the long hair. He's got the tat. He got an arm tattoo now. 
I'm just afraid I can't grow the long hair. I'm going bald, so I can't grow the long hair anymore. It's, I'm going to look like Shawn Michaels does now. It's, it's awful. What do you get a tat of? I don't even know. It's just like some right on his on his inside forearm, and I, I can't tell what it is. But I remember seeing something about it. Let me. Let me. I heard uh, it was the race car the driver, machine. and then they had to Danica. cover it. Danica, and then had to cover it. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. So it's a stick. Who's he with now? Is he with no Justin Bieber's with the Baldwin girl? I'm not a I'm not an E Entertainment Tonight guy. I I just it's like two lions looking at each other with I don't know if it's a globe or oh it's like the sun setting. I don't know. It's ridiculous. It's there's a lot of lines. It looks like a uh, oh two lines. I thought you said two lions. Lions. No two lions. Like There's animals. two lions looking at each other, and then the eye, like you know, the the single eye that's like on the dollar bill and stuff. It's all just some trippy stuff. It looks like there's some constellations. What he in saw there. when he was like on the, the ayahuasca. Dipper. Yeah, probably. It's exactly <laughs> what he saw was when he was on the ayahuasca. Yeah, absolutely. So is he going to be MVP again this year? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's it's weird though now how. Just I, I hate saying when I was a kid, but now how like every player in every sport, the second they're just done with the team, they're just like, I'm not Aaron Rodgers was just not gonna go back to the Packers and could have I mean and he could have if he really wanted to. Just like you're a free agent at all times now, which is just to me it's kind of odd. Yeah, they do what they want. It seems like they have I mean, when you're at that level, you have the leverage, right? As a player. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Although so, it doesn't yeah, always yeah. work out because the guy that left for him to take over was pretty much an Aaron Rodgers type figure at the time. And uh, Aaron Rodgers stayed in Green Bay, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, so, he's ever been. Yeah. They got so rid of, he made I the right say move. They got rid of the, no, they don't. They got rid of the guy they drafted, didn't they? I don't know. No, he's still going to be the backup. He's still the backup. Yeah. yeah. And then finally, the last crazy story that I, I've seen is the, uh, the Arizona Coyotes, I've, I've heard of this, and the pictures finally came out of the Arizona State's 5,000-seat rink where the Arizona Coyotes, the NHL Arizona Coyotes are going to play. It's smaller than the Mullen Center where UMass plays basketball. It's smaller. I think it's smaller than where BU plays hockey. It's And... And an, an NHL team is going to play there, which I think could even help them because if they can, they usually get about 5,000 people anyways. So if they can sit in front of a packed crowd and people are into it, I actually would almost want to go to one of those games. It looks horrible for this franchise. But- they're really bad right now. I think if they had a winning team, they wouldn't do this, but they're really bad right now. So I guess they can withstand it through a rebuild. 5,000 people were probably going to show up anyway. Why not have a 5,000 seat arena? Wait a minute. I've, UMass still plays basketball? Yeah. No, they just got Frank Martin as their head coach. They almost got the number one recruit in the country because he wanted to play this year instead of next year. So North oh, Carolina got, couldn't have him. And he's from South Carolina. They and, got some can be jewelry going around again, huh? I hope so. Oh, man. We're getting, <laughs> I was really hoping to hit the uh, one billion mega millions the other day because Louisiana Monroe and UMass were going to have some epic squads next year if that was the case. I was going to throw on NIL. Uh, contracts everywhere for these players, which is crazy to think about. Now there's, there's, um, I mean, Arizona, Arizona state. First of all, I always thought that as a college athlete, why wouldn't you want to, if I was good at a sport, I would, it's like Texas, Arizona state and USC. Like, why wouldn't you, when these 
kids go to like Michigan and stuff or Ohio State for that matter. I, no way. Like you, it's a beautiful campus, beautiful women. It's a good program. Why wouldn't you go that? And now you have boosters that used to just be throwing tractors at their at their uh, players and whatever they wanted. Now they get. Now the call-ins in ten minutes. Interesting. Now they get um, these NIL deals where you could just be like, "Oh, you can just be the uh, spokesman for my car dealership, and everything's cool." So instead of getting a no-show job, they will do a commercial, and they're like, "Here's a hundred thousand dollars." Yeah, it is funny to think about, like especially college football right now: Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Columbus, Ohio, Clemson, South Carolina. <laughs> those are your hotbeds. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Right? Top of the heap. And those are the locations that you're going to when you could be going anywhere you want, like you were saying, USC, Arizona State, whatever. There's something to be said about these kids are growing up in that area, though, and a lot of them probably dreamt of going to Ohio State. It's a pull because of the fact that they've had a successful program. Clemson has had they've got a good recruiting ability in south carolina and georgia and north carolina yeah, they're factories yeah they're factories they, they turn out the the athletes and they're proven and that's what they sell to these kids and and it works i think usc will soon be back to you know where they once were with with uh, lincoln riley there but um but even that when usc got the the wide receiver from Pitt, there it was a whole like the recruiting, like we're going to give you, you're going to get a house. You're going to get like all this stuff. And it was all out in the open because they can do it now. And yeah. so when he said, I'm entering transfer portal, we were talking to Terry about this and how every kid wants to enter transfer. It's a negotiation. It's sitting out of, it's sitting out of, uh, of, of training camp for the NFL and demanding a new deal. That's basically what they're doing is I'm entering the transfer portal. If you want me to stay, I better start getting some uh, local pizza companies and some car dealerships to start throwing money my way. Because if that's not the, the, the case, then I'm, I'm out of here. Do you guys know who Quinn Ewers is? No. Yes. Yes. I've, who, he's, a, he's a quarterback, right? Quarterback from Texas uh, was right. going to be a high school senior when all this NIL stuff hit and became you know, a thing. And so he, over the summer, like took all of his coursework, graduated early, Signed with Ohio State, the rumors are that he made more than a million dollars in NIL, took like three snaps. They were all just knees, you know, at the end of blowouts, and then was homesick. So he left Ohio State, went to Texas, where he's probably making another mill or two in NIL, and he's done absolutely nothing in two years. And Crazy. then and then once Manning goes there next year, then he's not going to play at all either, probably. It could be, could be, yeah. Good for so that kid. Well, that's just like to watch this stuff. But you think about that. Think of those backup quarterbacks. Like, uh, who's the Missouri kid for who's a Saints backup? And uh, he went to Missouri, and he's been like a career backup in the NFL, and he's he's made more money than. But he's some also a full starting back. quarterbacks. What's that? He's also a fullback, though. They run him. No, out no, of no, 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 no. He's a quarterback. It's no, uh, you're Chase, Daniels. About, Chase oh, Daniels. Chase Daniels. All right. Chase Daniels makes like ten million dollars a year as a backup That's quarterback. Crazy. He never plays, and he's been doing it for like seven years. Yeah, good gig to get. Yeah, I need to get that gig. Well, hey, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on. We had a lot of fun with you. We hope to do this again. We hope to keep doing the show more. We we're, we're first show ever, so. We're uh, feeling it out, and we uh, had a lot of fun with you, and we hope you had a lot of fun with us, my friend. Yes, thank you very much for the invite. Can't wait to hear it. Can't wait to get the breaking news texts from Daniel Dom all the time. They're my favorite things to, to receive. Have a great night, Daniel. Thank you so much. <laughs>